that man cannot know. The bloom is the last light of the gods. The sacred bloom traveled and my dreams traveled with it. Hey, welcome to a pizza party podcast interview and I'm Pan Pizza and we have two special guests and who are you people? <laughs> I'm uh, Philip Gillette. And I'm Morgan Galen King. And yeah. we uh, we made uh, an adult animated uh, rotoscope film called The Spine of Night. Yeah. Give me the elevator pitch. What is that about? Ooh. Uh, Morgan, do you want to take it or do you want me to take it? Oh, I've always been terrible at summarizing <laughs> this thing. You should definitely do it. All right. The Spine of Night is a... Um, I'm going to screw it up. I'm going to screw up right off the bat. Spider Knight is an adult animated rotoscope fantasy film that at first glimpse looks like a throwback to the films of Ralph Bakshi, like Fire and Ice, uh, his Lord of the Rings film, or um, the 1981 Heavy Metal. Uh, but as you watch it, it reveals itself to be both, um, you know, nostalgic in flavor, but a forward-looking, ultra-violent, ultra-naked fantasy film uh concerning a swamp witch um a conniving barbarian a librarian adventurer a group of bird assassins and depending on how you count it uh maybe two or possibly three necromancers over the course of the film (laughs) (laughs) it's full of uh violence psychedelia and anything that you would want if you're an adult fan of, of, of fantasy films yeah well I, how was that yeah. <laughs> that was a long elevator but i don't know Damn it. Just, I, I was explaining it to someone else and i just basically said oh it's like an anthology but uh rotoscoped yeah so <laughs> heavy metal meets uh fire and ice was basically what i would explain i uh i described it uh it try, it, it's really hard to 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 do that like it's this plus this I've been trying. I've been trying on for size. It's Conan the Barbarian meets a Scanner Darkly. Oh yeah. Which I don't. <laughs> which I, I think is. If this movie isn't that, I would definitely watch whatever that movie is. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you say, uh, how long did it take to make? Like seven years, right? Yeah, yeah. We uh, finished the short film Exordium in October 2013, and then Phil reached out to me to work on this. I think December that year, and so yeah, we, and we started filming the live action reference in like what did you say, April 2014? Yep, yep. Dang. So yeah, and working pretty much the whole time up until March 2021 when it went out to the festivals. God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, what exactly makes rotoscoping take so long? Is it just all the frames? I mean, yes, yeah. Well, I mean, when you're there's so many like stylistic shortcuts that you have with other 2D forms, where you're just really animating the part that you're really looking at. Like, it's very common for like holds and loops of background characters to be normal. I mean, often mm-hmm. background characters don't move at all, or even if you're talking, you're only going to animate the mouth and eyes for you know three or four seconds at a time before someone adjusts their shoulders to another held pose and so with rotoscoping i think a lot of it's just you're doing everything every single frame like the entire frame is redrawn everything that moves at you know 12 times a second yeah so you know i think i recall like a scanner darkly did taking some shortcuts because i recall like the backgrounds would sometimes just be warped to match the perspective or i think uh some characters were just frozen in the background like they 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 really had to make some shortcuts for that 
Yeah, I mean, Bakshi does in like in Fire and Ice, a lot of background characters will hold, you know, using because he's coming from a more um, traditional two D animation background. So I, I think it's jarring when he, very human looking characters freeze. It almost feels like they're they're corpses. Mm, so yeah. it, to me, I like I feel like if you're going to do the realistic approach to rotoscope movement, it kind of needs to always be moving if you can. But obviously. It made the film take very, a very long time to complete. So a, re, a real dedication to yeah to, to do that. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I'm making an animated pilot. Like I'm getting some help on it, and um, there there are some. Sh- it's traditionally animated, but there are some characters that are meant to be rotoscoped, and it's like crap. I gotta make a looping animation in rotoscope. What exactly would a looping animation be for rotoscoping? You know, like what's a repetitive task? Gotta yeah, think about yeah. that. I mean, I found what we did often was even if they were just going to be standing there, that just having the line work alive for 12 frames and then looping that, like, you know, so I do the, you know, like, do the keyframe and work forward and then backwards and then take the backward shot and put it at the other end and then do a second pass to sort of smooth out the loop. And, and you can, I think it looks okay uh, as a background. Well, yeah, not, if you're not in, doing in, in the film, Morgan, who, I mean, I'm assuming the crowds are, are I mean, those are loops, but are, are there other characters that are looped in the film? Very few. The crowds yeah. are, we repeat the footage quite a few times of the right. mobs in the second section, but like that one shot where they're like taking the wagon down the road between the mobs, like that's an insane, like, it's like 10 seconds with like 30 people on screen it, it and it was it was grueling i think tang lee did that one it was a yeah. it was a really hard shot uh but to get that much motion in the crowd like it just felt like i wanted it to feel overwhelming and alive and i so oh man yeah um some of those crowd shots are amazing yeah the army scenes oh yeah mm. yeah i could see why back she would be like at some point be like what if we just processed some live footage <laughs> instead of drawing all this yeah that was <laughs> I, I saw like the lord of the rings uh cartoon movie on cartoon network like in the early 2000s and i was like this is horrifying i'm scared i don't want to see this <laughs> <laughs> yeah those, that, those orcs it's the orcs that are processed right in, in yeah the, yeah yeah i mean they i had the same experience i mean i saw it when i was a like a little kid and it was I mean, the ring rays were terrifying, but I, I found the look of those orcs to be even more upsetting just because they, they feel like they've come from, I, I don't know, like some other dimension or something. It's really, mm-hmm. it's really upsetting. Yeah. yeah. It's just so off-putting. I love it. But uh, were you ever just like <laughs> discouraged, like thinking like, God, cancel this project. It's too, too overbearing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. The, <laughs> the, we'd, when we'd first finished editing the live action reference version of it you know i i thought oh this is gonna take you know three and a half four years and phil thought oh maybe maybe five things always take longer than you think and i remember we put up a teaser trailer saying it was coming out in 2017 and i remember when i had to when i took that trailer down from youtube and we weren't even halfway done and I was like, I have bitten off a, a whole lot. This is a huge, huge project, and, and it, it was, you know, it was tough. It was a, it was a, it's a long time. Yeah, you know, I, I have this like sort of hippy dippy theory about, and it applies to almost anything that I've made. Where uh, I feel like 
it's almost inevitable that the th- that the story of the making of the thing that you're making is reflected in the thing that you're making, right? So, in some sense, the story of this film is like an epic. I mean, the, the the story of the movie spans centuries. It didn't take us centuries to finish the movie, but at a certain point, I was suddenly like, oh, it's happening again. Like we've like we're we're the story of the making of it is similar to the to the story that we're telling. Um, it just it's it's weird when that happens. Oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean it's such a long scope of a film, so yeah. But did you work on other things in in between this film? I didn't personally. This is all I've done. Oh man! <laughs> so, I mean, really, if you count the short films, this is all I've done for ten years. Mm. Uh, Phil has done all sorts of cool things. Yeah, I mean, so you know, we were talking about uh, Love, Death, and Robots before you before we started recording, which is the show that I I wrote have written the majority of the episodes for and like i didn't have that job until uh year three of spine of night being in 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 you know animation production so um it's just a weird like it's weird that i suddenly have become like the adult an adult animation writer like almost coincidentally i mean i loved obviously loved exordium and that's why i approached morgan to make spine of night but I was approached to do Love, Death, and Robots just because I, I knew Tim, who who is the principal creative on that one. He's like, oh, you want to come write these adult <laughs> shorts for, mm. for me? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so I did Love, Death, and Robots, and then uh, I made uh, a live-action movie called They Remain, which has um, Liam Jackson Harper in it, who's in um, uh, NBC's The Good Place, and he was in um, Underground Railroad on Amazon Prime. And then... I've been working on video games. I've been writing video games. I've, I've done all kinds of stuff while poor Morgan has been chained to his desk, suffering for his love of, <laughs> of rotoscoping. Oh, man. <laughs> Damn, he pulled a thief in the cobbler, except he actually finished. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, it was a, if it, we hadn't been such an independent production, I mean, no one would have ever yeah, had no. the patience to let it... Um, be completed i think it was really because of it like the flexibility we had by being such a small team that even made it possible to to actually complete it eventually where did yeah, i mean and oh, i'm sorry go ahead oh yeah sorry uh where did the funding come from yeah so we started um at the time way back in 20 end of 2013 beginning of 2014 basically entirely self-financed because i was i was already a screenwriter at the time but i was um I don't know. I have Morgan's heard me say this stuff so many times. I'm a very fraught relationship with uh, Hollywood in in general, and at the time, I was feeling incredibly frustrated with various things that were going on in my career. So I saw the short film and was like, "Oh, I love this! Like this is it, you know, I love this style of animation. I love this flavor of fantasy that's sort of like low fantasy, psychedelic, and and violent, and just like." Um, like for lack of a better term, kind of insane, and, and it it felt to me like exactly like I what I wanted to do. So, so I reached out to Morgan as as we've said, and, and we started working together. And I suspect suspected at the time very, or I was very confident at the time that nobody would finance this movie. I mean, we would have been laughed out of any room that we attempted to get into if we were to say we're going to make, you know, like a, a hard R violent fantasy film you know, that done in this old school animation style that nobody really does anymore. And on top of that, it's not based on any famous author's novel series. Like it's not, we're not, it's not Robert Jordan. It's not George R. R. Martin. It's not 
Robert E. Howard. It's just its own thing. I mean, nobody would have financed it. So I just thought, let's start. Like, let's just let's write the script. Let's get a warehouse and let's just let's just go and and see what happens. Um, I mean, it is a little bit in my mind. It was like a shortcut to getting it made. But of course, it also took seven years to finish it. So um, anyway, so the financing. Yeah, so we we started basically self-financed. I put the first um chunk of money together that got us through the first couple years um at which point it became clear that we were going to need more money to finish it um if we were ever going to get it done right so we at that point we had enough animated that we could uh, um we could show to people like this is how the movie's going to look this is how the animation is going to look these are the backgrounds like this is this is a pretty you know you could you could see what the finished project was going to look like um and at that point we sort of went out and approached the bigger name um, voice out voice talent that we put into the film. And then once we got them signed on, we were able to, um, you know, to get the, a little bit more money to, to, to finish the film. So it was, you know, it's a, we had seven years. It was, there are many stages to the financing basically. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, let's backtrack to, uh, it started as a short film, like uh, explain how that got made. Oh, I, had well the long version is i had wanted to do film and in college i'd gone it for art i found that a little classical and not to my taste so i moved into mass communications like video editing and i immediately wanted to do film but i was already years into my degree and i was like well i'll just finish this up and hopefully be able to turn this into you know combine my love of you know two-dimensional art and filmmaking uh, but then that didn't work for a long time, and I mostly worked doing graphic design at a small record label. Anyway, eventually all of that sort of ended, and I was eager to get back to doing what I'd set out to do in the first place. And animation was the thing I could do in my house that didn't cost anything mm-hmm. except time. And so then uh, pretty quickly I was like, I realized the limitations, sort of puppet style, flash animation and wanted the flexibility that i'd have with uh live action and you know i i grew up totally in love with the bakshi films and all the rotoscoping of the era so it seemed like a a a path to explore so i did several short films like refining the process and workflow and trying to get a, a style that i liked and the exordium itself um you know i'd i'd showed a few i was living in philadelphia at the time and uh, a guy who I was friends with, Josh Jones, made short film, or you know, was working on his own short films, and got some of his friends together, and we shot all the live action reference stuff over two days, and then I took it back to the house and drew it for just about ten months straight. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife was very patient. Well, I just sat in the corner and drew all day every day, and then Machinima, if you remember them, oh yeah. They reached out to me and were putting That's a together. Good reaction. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's about fair. <laughs> yeah. But but they reached out and were like, we're putting together an interactive film festival that was going to be in a gallery space in LA, but then also online. And they wanted to take one of my earlier short films to put in there, and I was like, hang on, I'm almost done with this other one. So I stayed up for like almost a week straight, just trying, you know, like I'd sleep for two or three hours and just get right back up to, to hit their deadline to get exordium out in time. So eventually I got that to them. It showed at their thing and someone saw it there and sent it to Phil 
and then he reached out to me. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing bad happened with Machinima after. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I've had back in the day. I was because I put the video up on my own YouTube channel. They were constantly sending me copyright strikes oh, against yeah. my own thing, and I was like, "Guys, look, this is you, I double checked the agreement. You don't own shit." So yeah. anyway, God, I I have jokingly said that that Spy of Night is the best thing to come eventually out of Machinima. <laughs> that may not be true, but it, it might be. You know. Possibly. <laughs> they owned, like, everything, and then they just vanished from existence. Yeah, yeah, what? I mean, this doesn't need to become a tangent about Machinima, but what? Where did they go? Like, they must, I mean, they must have just sort of, like, dissipated into other, like, areas of content creation, quote-unquote, to use corporate speak. I, I really have um, no idea where they where from, they disappeared to. From what I understand, some other company, some bigger company, bought them up, and uh, uh, okay. whatever company that was was like, hey, uh, all these YouTube videos might get us copyright claimed or something or sued, so let's just delist them all. So now all the videos that they had on their <laughs> channel are just privated. Uh, keeping it classy. I yeah, love it. Just <laughs> a lot of lost media now, thanks to that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, with the film, like, was there something like that you just had to ask yourself, like, how are we supposed to rotoscope this? Because I think in, I saw in the behind the scenes there were like scenes where they're riding horses, and it's like, were there horses in the movie? <laughs> the horses. It's the absolute best footage in the behind the scenes when I'm you sure had a real horse in the in the <laughs> warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> we had all of these very talented actors astride a yoga ball, bouncing in place. Yeah. To, to simulate the horse riding, which the footage of which is, I think, hysterical. It's uh, absolutely hilarious. There's one clip of the guy who plays Galser, um, who's a very good friend of mine named Jordan, and it's him. <laughs> like you can hear us off camera laughing at him. It's like him, and he like throws his leg over the yoga ball and just like riding that yoga ball so <laughs> hard, and then like he can't keep it together and just like swears under his breath and like dismounts the yoga ball. Oh, it's man. so it's yeah, I, I find it endlessly hilarious. Oh, that is that seems so self conscious to like film this kind of movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, there's one. I have another. Also, Jordan, there's another clip. Morgan, do you remember this one where he's like? He's riding into the distance, and we had him on the yoga ball, just like in the corner, like he was like out the warehouse, just like with his face up against the wall. <laughs> so it's so much fun. I mean, so we we had the yoga ball. We had there were a couple of like real, um, uh, like prop stars in the film. The yoga ball was one. I uh, I bought a bunch of like um, <laughs> like high school wrestling mats that we put all over the all over the warehouse for people to like fall onto. And then the one thing that we had, I do not remember who told us to buy it or who found it, but it was like uh, such a lifesaver was this piece of um like painter scaffolding, you know, so and it with like a with a platform in the middle that you could like lower or or raise depending on what you needed. And we used that thing for everything. It was like you know where the throne sits it was the tree it was the wagon it was like doorways it was caves it was it was and it also served like sort of like our crane like uh for like high angle shots that it, it allowed us to like you know get get the height that we needed so or low angle even we could put actors on it and get below it it was um it's just one of those things you don't realize how useful it's going to be until you have it and suddenly it's everything mm-hmm yeah, but <laughs> do you have a favorite short from the uh, from this 
from uh, Spine of Nights because I think my favorites were the silhouette one and the one where the uh, couple were just embracing their or their death. Oh, look at look at you! That that so. I'm sorry, Morgan. You, you should talk about that. That's that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, we both love that sequence a lot, and I think for some people, it's a bit of an intermission between all the ultra violence that is that drags a little. But to me, that's the heart of the film. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's it's sort of its mission statement, and you know, I I, I wrote it very consciously, thinking about you know my wife and I and our relationship with mortality and existentialism so it's it, personally that one means a lot to me um mm -hmm. but in terms of animation the silhouette one yeah. was by far the most fun to draw because if you're i to anyone doing rotoscoping may i suggest experimenting with silhouettes it would <laughs> it's much 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 faster to animate oh yeah and you know you could do giants and the gore looks even grosser in Kaikon, and like when it's a silhouette, like it's the blackness of the of the blood spatter. I, so that whole oh, sequence we, was, was a blast to do. We also um, hired a guy to make like old school tank effects for that sequence, which is uh, hmm. I, I don't know if many people have really clocked that, but if you look in the back, a lot of the backgrounds there are. Um, we just found this guy in uh, where is he? Somewhere in the south, South Carolina, North Carolina, and he um, he does. Uh, all kinds of like old school effects work, but one of the things was tank work, and so we um, had to make us a bunch of like really rad clouds and and effects. And he had this completely insane thing he wanted to do, where he was gonna like, like re like okay, Morgan, see if I get this right. He was gonna okay. project the movie through the tank, right, and then re like refilm it so that so that the animation was sort of being. Um, diffused through the liquid right isn't that yep. basically what he was doing yeah it, it the test results were amazing, amazing like, yeah. it's it's such a cool look it was so it looked ancient and cosmic and almost it was just the the rear projection backlighting like the way it made light arc through the water or the the fluid was yeah. so cool but it, it ended up being a thing that was i think i still think we should consider it for a short film or something yeah. but like it, it um we had to commit the film so much earlier because you wouldn't be able to edit it anything yeah. once it was being refilmed so we never and it was a big stylistic departure from what we'd been doing like it was a real leap of faith that i wasn't quite ready to do for the whole film but it oh man did it look cool yeah it looked really cool oh, yeah can you clarify tank like what do you mean by that oh okay so um tank effects are like if you um i'm trying to think of famous ones like um morgan what's a famous cloud tank effect like the end of Raiders of lost ark when the when the that like enormous dark cloud that the arc you know that uh, the sky over when the arc is open so all that's created in a massive tank of water and and um they're dropping um like ink or it's not it's oh, not ink. Yes. what is it organ yeah like yeah. ink and paint or, yeah. and like flowery constant yeah you know, yeah kind of... okay i understand yeah because yeah, in the movie yeah. disney's the black hole they, the way they made the black hole yes. was like a big just a uh, gigantic fish bowl but like swirling yes. paint i get i get what you mean yep. okay yes so so exactly that so this guy uh, unfortunately he couldn't build I mean, his tank was pretty big, but like to to do really awesome tank effects, the the tank itself needs to be physically, I mean, relatively massive. enormous. Yeah, massive. So, uh, so he did what he could. Um, 
but I, I don't know. I just love that stuff so much. I think it's so, uh, it's so cool. Um, so yeah, I think probably the silhouette sequence is also my favorite. Although I want to flag my favorite scene in the film, which comes in the second story, which is the story about um, Faye, the like adventurer librarian. Uh, and my favorite scene is the the two villains in the basement in the like in the dungeon, uh, like just talking about evil necromancer stuff and magic and it's it's like not only my favorite scene in the movie but it's maybe my favorite scene i've ever been involved in at all it's just like everything for me creatively coheres in that scene it's like the performances the animation's beautiful and i just love villains (laughs) talking to each other so anyway uh that's my favorite scene Mm -hmm. hang on excuse me oh yeah but uh i wanted to ask (laughs) Sorry, I have heartburn. But I wanted to ask, like, um, you had some guest voices, like Patton Oswalt. Did he? Did he? Did you film him, or did he, his voice just come in and someone else was the actor? Yeah. So for for basically all of the name cast, they were only voice actors, mm. uh, which was which is weird to do. I mean, that's not at all the normal process for a voice cast. Um, you know, normally you would record the voices first, and then you, the lip sync would be done to the voices. But because of the, you know way that we did it they came on at the end or relatively close to the end and recorded uh their their parts and had to basically match the sync match the previous performance that had been animated right um yeah that's what i was gonna ask about how do you match that up so so it's a it's an interesting like it's it's weird right it was a weird thing to ask actors to but it's also like a skill that actors uh, screen actors at least really do have to have because so much even so much live action footage is is relooped or re-recorded in post right so a lot of actors are actually quite used to matching lip cadence um Mm. so that's basically what they were doing here and even so and i've said this you know a bunch and i really do mean it like they were you would think oh well they wouldn't be able to like change the performance that much because they have to match the timing but I have to say they really, all of them were able to bring something new to it and really deepen the characters in really fascinating ways, in ways that I think Morgan and I were both caught off guard by in like a really exciting way. Um, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. So which was recorded first, the voices or the uh, performance? Oh, the performance. Yeah, the, the, the performances were all recorded. Like we didn't bring, you know, we recorded the performances back in 2014. We didn't bring any of the bigger names on until 2018 or beginning of 2019 with the only exception being Betty Gabriel, who, um, who people might know from get out. And, um, she's in, she's in a bunch of Blumhouse movies. She's such a fantastic actress, but we hired her. We cast her like she was still in Juilliard, still in acting school. And we cast her like the day she graduated from Juilliard she got on a train and came to our warehouse and shot all of her scenes <laughs> with us in the warehouse and then went on to be in get out and, and all kinds of other <laughs> big things. And then uh, very graciously, she also had to re-record her, her audio. So she then came back and redid the performance for us uh, once we were at that stage. So yeah. Uh, yeah. With, with the voice actors, did you record their faces and just map it onto the, the other bodies? Uh, no, no. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, because I'm just making sure it's like seems so confusing just to have two actors essentially for this thing. Yeah, yeah it, it, was, it was conceptually a lot to sort of figure out how to make it all work. But in the, in the long run, I mean, like Phil was saying, their their ability to loop 
to the performances we had was amazing. Every, I mean, we re lip synced a couple of things, but mostly didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at Richard E. Grant's character, Richard E. Grant um, plays the Guardian. I mean, he, he didn't even have that much lip sync because he's wearing a mask, yeah. and then he he narrates that that um, silhouette sequence we're talking about. So he actually had you know quite a bit of freedom to make that performance his own, um, which is really cool. That's good. Are there any other uh, wild shortcuts you, you guys took for this? <laughs> I don't think we took a single shortcut. <laughs> shortcut. <laughs> well, I mean, the mask thing is a good way to get oh, away yeah. from lip sync. I mean, I, I, I keep saying the next project, everybody wears a mask, or, yeah. or nobody's ever, their face is never on screen. It's, oh, it's all, do yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, there were some things for time, eventually. Like, one of the advantages of rotoscoping is because we were able to film everything with motion reference actors, we could put together a you know, a pretty tight cut of the entire film hmm. from very early on. Like, before we animated a single frame, we had a very watchable, at least to us, cut of the entire thing beginning to end. Because the last thing you want to do is animate something and then have to cut it for time. <laughs> because you... the, you know, it's just so grueling to to lose, you know, even a second of animations a day of work lost mm-hmm. would you ever just release that version where it's just all the live people with no animation <laughs> it we think it's i you know, feel could tell the story better than i can i guess but like we showed it to people after we're so proud of our, of our work we're like look at this awesome movie we're making and it was just absolutely incoherent if you didn't know the script inside and out like you couldn't tell where anyone was because they're just in front of a white wall like the bloom itself was just like a piece of cardboard on the ground we told everyone to look at like it was just it's it was uh it's neat but it's incomprehensible if you have not memorized the script i mean i still think it's brilliant piece of art but yeah it is uh, <laughs> it's, it's a stage play. yeah it's yeah it's like the our town version of of uh, of a fantasy film i mean after people have seen the finished product you know i guess it would be it would be you know comprehensible to them but uh yeah that was real those raw viewings were so much fun <laughs> mm-hmm. do you have any projects coming up Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. like a, although I understand you're just like, you just finished one, you can't think about another one already so soon. <laughs> well, I mean, I finished drawing back in March, so I'm coming up on, this is like 10 months for me, where I ha- haven't been drawing every single day. At first, I was like, I'm never doing this again. But I, my position on that has softened over the year. Uh, you know, so, so, you know, we've been, we've been writing. We have, um, yeah, we've been writing related works and you know i hope we get to like get a bigger crew together and that was that was a very like like uh legalese answer to oh. that question these are related works oh well uh, if you we know, see like... subsection two of our contract <laughs> <laughs> well i don't want to be like i you know it's it's uh i think it's always annoying when you're like it's it's gonna be a trilogy and there's right, a yeah. series and everyone's gonna get a spinoff but you know so we've I, I wouldn't put it that way, but we've been like playing around with outlines for the world and other stories that could be told in this world. Mm. And I, I think if we could get a team together and that would make it not take seven years mm. next time, it, it'd be pretty exciting. Let's, I'd like to get it. Un, let's get it in under three. So you're still time. up for rotoscoping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of technological advances that we could take advantage of without 
losing the aesthetic that I like. Mm-hmm. At least I hope so. Yeah. Well, one thing I do wonder is like how how Scanner Darkly was even made with all the shading that they had to do. It's just like this looks ridiculous. Yeah, it's a lot. My, my uh, brother, hmm. Alexander King, worked on this film with us. And after he was done here, he went to work at Minnow Mountain on the Amazon show Undone. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Been wanting uh, and, to watch that. Oh, it's good. It's good. But it's it's got a lot of the Scanner Darkly people. And like I think it's sort of an like it's the future, the next several generations of that same approach and workflow. So hopefully, uh, yeah, we can learn something from all that in terms of like mm-hmm. applying more like complex shading and you know painterly details and stuff. I'd love to be able to play around with all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anything more you want to say on uh, on Spine at Night before? <laughs> I don't know because I wanted to also ask about Love Death Robots. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, my I usually say my final thought on Spine of Night is that if you love. Uh, any kind of fantasy, be it Tolkien or Robert Jordan or anything else like that, that you and you're at all curious about <laughs> what a very adult animated fantasy film is, you should check it out because, uh, you know, you might love it. Um, and it is, uh, I think, I don't know. I love it, as I keep saying, but it's like a project I think we're both very proud of. And it is uh, like nerds owe it to themselves to check it out just in case. You might you might love it. You might need a little bit more necromancy and a little bit more swamp witch in your life. You know. Yeah, there's a lot of people that want dark fantasy and just like that era of like uh, animation back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because. Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, good. No, you first. No, no, I had I had nothing. Okay. I, I started talking with no thought. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, Love Death Robots is basically a throwback to heavy metal and. How, hmm. Crap. You. How did she get involved again? Like they, uh, Tim. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I got involved with love death and robots because I have known Tim Miller, who is the, um, I mean, notably, I guess he's the director of the Deadpool movie. Mm. Um, I've known him for years, uh, almost, I mean, a little bit longer than I've known Morgan, but not that much longer. Um, and we had been trying to work together for a long time. Uh, and, he he himself had been trying to make a new version of heavy metal. So as you say, heavy metal is very much in the DNA, in the DNA both of of Spider Man and of Love Death and Robots. And then after he made um, Deadpool, he uh, and David Fincher, who he is friends with, um, took the idea of doing you know adult animated shorts to Netflix and, and sold the idea to Netflix. Uh, at which point Love, Death, and Robots was born. And then, because I've just known Tim for a long time, he uh, called me and said, oh, do you want to do you want to write these for me uh, or with me? Or, you know, do you want to be involved? And I said, oh, absolutely. I would <laughs> I would love to be involved with this. So, um, yeah, that, that's how that happened. Yeah. Favorite short from there? Hmm. Oh, okay. So I have two. Uh... I really, really, really like the one that's called Secret War, which is about the Russians um, in, you know, Siberia or someplace. And they're like in the middle of World War II and they're fighting these like ghouls that are climbing up out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love it. I think the animation is beautiful. You can find online. I can't remember the name of the studio who did it, but they did mocap a horse to get. To, it's not. No, it's not Blur. Blur's Tim's company. Um they didn't do Secret War though. They they farmed it out to um, 
maybe it's Digic. I don't know. I can I can find I can send you a link to it. But if you if you find the studio that did it, you, they have some behind the scenes footage, and they they did actually mocap a horse to do their horse animation, and it's uh, absolutely incredible. And uh, I really like horror, and it's you know that there's horror in the DNA of that show, but it it that was one where I got to like play a little bit more in a horror vein. And then my other favorite one is also from the first season. Uh, and it's called Zima Blue, and it's about the mm-hmm. um, like intergalactic artist uh, who you know is being interviewed and and uh, has this particular color that he uses in all his pieces, and it's the story of why he uses that color. Uh, I love that one. Yeah, yeah, the Robert Valley one. Yeah. The Robert Valley one. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. Because I'm glad they brought him back for season two, but yep, did, you didn't work on season two, right? Uh, no, I did work on season two. Yep. Oh, okay, just making sure. Yeah, because it seems yep. like uh, season one and two are very kind of different from each other. Yeah, I mean, they are, uh, I think, to me, the big difference between them is, honestly, mostly runtime. I feel like season one feels different because there's some, there's just more of it. Like, it, I think it's over twice as long as season two. So when you take it in its totality, it feels much more varied than um, than the second season, which is, you know, because it's shorter, there's just not as much runtime to do as many crazy things, basically. Um, but, you know, a lot of those... So I also wrote a bunch for season three, which is coming out sometime this year. Uh, you know, some of those in season two started as scripts in season one that just we didn't do, and then they got ported over to the, to the second season. So I mean, there, if there is there is a continuity there, but I completely understand saying that it feels different because I, I I do agree that it does. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, how come there were less episodes for season two? So they were there were less episodes to be totally honest because uh, they wanted to get the season out faster. So what they did was they ordered season two and three at the same time and then just made each of them half as long. Uh, uh, so it's it's a little bit of a of a uh, production cheat basically. I see. Yeah. Sometimes Netflix yeah. splits up those seasons, but uh, I mean, I assume this is the first year. Uh, first, I've heard of season three of Love, Death, Robots. So I mean, are you allowed yeah. to say that? <laughs> Uh, I, I think I'm allowed to say it. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure I am. So yeah, season three of Love, Death, Robot, Robots coming eventually. I don't know when. when? Eventually, yeah. So I think sometime this year. So. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Well, this yeah. Is, we're pretty early in the year, so okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, only, we're only 12 days in. You Dang. Know? Okay. Sometime in the next year, I guess. Yeah. In the next 12 months. Yeah. Hmm. What, what else do I have to ask? <laughs> hmm. Oh, wait, I want to know if Morgan has a favorite episode. Morgan, yeah. did you watch all of the second season? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, the uh, the one with the the brothers on the Arctic ice mm. was amazing. Yeah, the Robert Valley again. Yeah. You yeah. know, big fan of that one. I love the, the giant man. Mm. I thought that oh, one. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that one's great. Yep. I was just rereading. I mean, I'm always rereading heavy metal and, you know, a lot of books from a lot of those artists but i came across that uh the milo monaro gulliver's travels one which oh, yeah. i haven't seen in a long time and it like even some of those shots because that one's also very naked and yep. very uh as is his way and it was uh and i was i was like it was hard not like he's trying to eroticize the gulliver's story but i just kept looking at it and thinking of the netflix one and it was just it was too gross mm. so i couldn't uh you know it, it changed the how i viewed that because the the decomposing giant body was so <laughs> unpleasant hmm. 
touching, but but I love yeah. it. Anyway, I, I, I like that one a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I like how the. Um... Did you guys have any uh, say in the like the animation style? Because I loved how uh, I felt like th- this uh, season had a lot more uh, variety. Like they had a stop motion one or one that looked stop motion, and oh, it yeah. looked so good the yeah. animation on that. Yeah, I love that one. Uh, I mean, I, I personally don't have any say in in where uh, who what studio does the animation. Um, I get to see it when it's in progress, which is really cool. But you know that largely the way that it works is the. Uh, as you say, Blur, which is which is um, Tim's company, they do uh, a certain number every season, and then the rest are farmed out to different animation studios um, around the world that you know that Blur and the producers have relationships with. So, um, yeah. So uh, I unfortunately don't don't have any say in it, which is uh, too bad. Hmm. Did they tell you to like tone down the vo- oh, the, the violence? violence? Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I on neither this project nor uh, on Spine of Night has anybody ever said to me, hmm. "Hey, how about you tone it down, or how about you make it less naked, or anything like that." And I've, <laughs> I've never. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe that note has floated around somewhere in Love, Death, and Robots, but it's never, it's never reached me. So, uh, you know, because you don't, you don't set out to make a, uh, <laughs> you know, like an adult animated thing. Uh, you know, to be told not to make it so violent. You know, my this, my one story about the the um, nudity and the sex in the show is that in which is another one of my favorite episodes. It's the Beyond the Aquila Rift in the first season, which is about the guy who wakes up on the space station and he's you know like way where he's not supposed to be, and then you know at the end there's a, there's a monster. Not to not to spoil yeah. it. Uh, so there's a sex scene in that one, uh, and I I think in the script just wrote they have sex, right? Because you don't want to be, you don't want to describe sex on the in, on the page. Like, come on. Uh, and, then, and then I saw how, what they had done for the sex scene, and I was like, oh, this is much more Cinemax than I was uh, anticipating. But, you know, whatever. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, yeah. good, good for them. All that, all that short, it's like, is this live action or is it CG? I, could, I almost couldn't tell for most of it. Yeah, I mean that that one and the ones that um, ImageWorks at Sony do. So the one in the first season, um, it's like the Space Marine pilot with Samira Wiley. I think is the actress's name from Orange Is the New Black. It's like her and her. She has like a her ship is like her friend, right? It's called Bucky mm-hmm. Thirteen. And they also did the one with Michael B. Jordan, I think, in the second season. And that CG, I mean, it's it's or actually maybe Blur did it. it in, it, I, anyway, I can't remember, but th- those two in particular, the, the CG is so um, lifelike that it is, yeah. Yeah, I thought it's, the, it's pretty mind blowing. Yeah, I thought the Michael B. Jordan was live action. Yeah, uh, I mean he 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 performed it, but uh, I, no, I believe that it is uh, that it's all you know mocapped and and, and animated. Yeah. God, yeah, that's crazy. Right. Yeah. yeah. But were there any unused ideas for Love Death Robots? Yeah, I mean there are a lot. You know, the 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 show is all well ninety five percent based on short stories, right? So so we're I, what I'm doing is I'm I'm adapting the stories into script form. So we have you know a, a good degree of unused. Well, there's two, two stages of unused, right? Like there's a a large pile of short stories that we would have liked to have adapted, but I have never scripted. And there's a smaller pile of st- short stories that I've written scripts for that this just for one reason or another haven't ended up on the show. So, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch. I mean, it, it's a little bit of an unfair fair question, right? Because, you know, unlike a lot of shows, Love, Death, and Robots, you know, it is it it 
there's no um you know overall structure. main character yeah there's no overall structure so really the the raw material of that show is any short any genre short story ever written so, so i mean like it could we could we could do anything as long as you know it 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 fits the creative um yeah. bill of the show so uh yeah there there are quite a few that we that we haven't done yeah. obviously you mentioned uh, peter chung was considered but he refused or what yeah i mean i i don't know the full story i just know that we uh that he was approached um because you know he's he's friends with all the directors and, and producers on the show and so they they had approached him about doing one and he uh i'm not sure if he didn't like the story that we were offering him or uh i've heard of that with other directors too where you know we i script it and then tim and i go back and forth on the script until we're happy with the script and then they the producers take that script out and and you know um put a director or studio on it so i know of other directors too who have who've been approached to do a script and they just you know they didn't respond to the material hmm. um and so they didn't you know they didn't do it so really? that's my impression of what of what happened with that one can you say uh which uh which short uh peter chung was supposed to do uh well, I can't because okay. we didn't actually we didn't end up doing it. It's, oh. it's, I mean, I know I know what scripted is, but it wouldn't it wouldn't mean I, anything because we never it never got made. So yeah. that's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. But anything else to say on Love Death Robots? Uh, no. I just that I like with Spider Night. I feel very lucky to have been involved with it. I mean, it's like adult animation, right? Is is a remains a little bit of a niche in america i think despite the influx of anime so i don't know i just feel very uh hashtag blessed to be involved in not one but two to do uh you know relatively high profile adult animation things it's pretty it's pretty awesome is you know? there is there any like adult animation on tv or whatever that you're real into like primal or arcane uh i I haven't watched either of those things. I have watched the trailer for Primal many times and thought to myself, what's wrong with you, Phil? Why are you not watching this? Uh, and I, I've i heard that Arcane is amazing, but I, I haven't watched it. I don't know. Morgan, is there anything you're, that you're... Have you watched either of those? I, I have seen... Like you, I've only seen the trailers. I, I watch almost no shows Dang. at all. I watch a lot of movies and no shows. Mm. Um, I think the animation Arc on Arcane looks amazing, yeah. and my brother said the show was really good. And Primal, I mean, Tartico Tarkov Tarkovsky? Tartikovsky? Tartikovsky, uh, yeah, I think. Tartikovsky, uh, yeah. He's, he's amazing. Everything I've ever seen of his is amazing. I'm sure Primal rules. It looks like it would be extremely up my alley. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I haven't I haven't seen him. I've spent most of this year watching, like, a, I mean, we were, because we were part of so many streaming film festivals, I've just seen, you know, dozens and dozens of you know, independent shorts. Like uh, that's been most of my my new animation intake, more so than any shows. Hmm. So, hmm. so there's only a, there's a lot of animated shorts that are out there in festivals. Yet it's not online anywhere. Uh, yeah, I mean, so many of them don't make. It's it's what's so heartbreaking about so much independent animation is like you just don't like the jump from like in an absolutely amazing project like short film project i assume these animators get jobs working in advertising or for like a bigger animation studio and like these cool styles and weird things just never get the chance to be made into features and yet also the shorts just i mean maybe five years later pop up on vimeo hmm, yeah yeah you know so like they just sort of 
disappear into the and it's like i want to tell people about all this great stuff i've seen but there's no way to even share it with them yeah there's a lot of lost media out there that i like to research but uh <laughs> yeah because <laughs> i remember when i was younger uh my family went to some imax thing this uh 3D cyber world and it was like a showcase for IMAX and 3D glasses and a lot of those shorts are missing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I, I have these like I've been occasionally trying to cast my mind back, especially doing interviews for Spine Blind about like where I first encountered some of these things, like heavy metal or like adult animation. And I suddenly remembered going like my parents took me to DC. I was the year was probably nineteen. The year was nineteen ninety one or ninety two, and they took me to. Do you guys remember like Spike and Mike's like Twisted Animation oh. Festivals? Do you, do you oh yeah, that? they still do yeah. that at Comic Con. Yeah, so I saw one of those, and I so I looked it up recently, and I think it was like a pretty early one. Like again, it was the early nineties. I don't think it had been going on that long, and so uh, I have almost no recollection of any of the shorts that were in that <laughs> that were in that festival as i was trying to figure out what they were if i could reach there was maybe like a george plimpton in there maybe or something mm -hmm. but um anyway speaking of lost animation media from from our youths uh yeah oh man yeah huh but is there anything more to say before we wrap up uh i i'm gonna if you don't mind plug where people can see spider man if they oh. haven't seen it already i'll, I'll include that so, info in the beginning also yeah oh okay do you, do you want me to, should I, should I plug it? Oh, yes. Is it okay? I can do yeah. that. Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, you can see the Spider Mite currently. Uh, it's rentable on iTunes, the iTunes Store, Amazon Prime, Vudu, if you use Vudu. Uh, and it's like basically anywhere that you might, you know, uh, rent a movie these days. It will be on Blu-ray and DVD February 1st. Hmm. There, there's a super fancy Steelbook Blu-ray that has one of our alt covers, uh, and it has on it all kinds of special features, including all of Morgan's short films uh, up-resed to 4K and looking very fancy. Um, and a behind-the-scenes, if you want to see some of the people in their crazy costumes. Uh, and if you haven't seen... Love, Death, and Robots, that is, of course, on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Season three confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. there's, your, there's your scoop. I don't know if it's actually a scoop, but you can treat it like one. I haven't heard anyone like. mention season three, so I think it's good. So I think I'm okay. fine. <laughs> yeah. All right. But thanks for coming. Th thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you us. so much. Yeah. So yeah thank you very much for having us. Yep. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. So goodbye. Let me just yeah. Thanks so much. Yes.